Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Jack Lundin. He's CEO at Bluestone Resources, part of the Lundin Group of Companies. We talk about doing business in Guatemala, changing plans from underground to open pit, uh, and why the market hasn't quite reacted the way that they had hoped, and what their plans are for their 45 million bucks of cash. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that, you can join us at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've also got training courses on that to help you with your diligence process. We've got summaries of interviews just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe, friendly environment, free from abuse, judgment, and trolling, hope you think that sounds nice because it is, you can join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Jack, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. I, do you know what? I had your brother on last week. It's becoming a family affair, it seems. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Is it, is it published? Or? No, no, it's just a private conversation. It's him and me. We're talking about you. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm a bit concerned then. <laughs> yeah, you should be. You should be. Hey, well, I um, appreciate you joining us today. So where are you? I'm right now in Guatemala City. Cool. How are things down there? Things are good. Things are very busy and uh, really exciting times for Bluestone Resources. So happy to be down here. But is but how how's the mood down there? How how are people kind of coping with you know the the business of doing business? Are you are you able to? Is it heavily restricted? Oh well, right now, I mean, you can see the economy has kickstarted. Um, Guatemala did a really good job managing this pandemic. They shut down the borders between March and September last year and implemented some easy to follow guidelines um, that basically became the law. So wearing a mask in public. Um, you know, every establishment you go into, you get your temperature taken, accessibility to testing. They've done a very good job, um, you know, mitigating a lot of the challenges associated to COVID-19. And therefore, at the moment, yes, there are still restrictions, but overall, uh, we are still able to, to move around and uh, get a lot of the work done that we're needing to right now. So overall, I'd say Guatemala has done better than most countries faring with the pandemic, pleasingly for for us and, and for the people here in Guatemala. Okay, well, I want to get you know carry on that conversation in a second, but first of all, people who haven't heard the Bluestone Resources story before. Give us that one-minute overview, and I'll pick it up from there. Sure. So Bluestone Resources is a single-asset junior gold developer. Uh, we have our flagship project here in southern Guatemala called Cerro Blanco, and we're a Canadian-listed company, but our focus is here on Cerro Blanco. And we just recently came out with a new development concept for our flagship Cerro Blanco project, uh, where we've tripled the value of the project by changing the mining method from what was once contemplated as an underground to now uh, surface mine mining operation. And that's due to the near surface mineralization of the deposit and our understanding of the project. Um, and therefore we've, we've really been able to maximize the value of this project. And we're now focused on advancing with uh, the new development scenario. Okay. Last time I spoke um, to the company, I spoke with Darren. Where's he gone? Darren is still here. He's our president and director. So I joined in January last year. And the focus for me was to come in and bring the project forward and get ourselves into the development phase for the underground. Most recently, I was working at Fruta del Norte with Lending Gold on the development of that project in southern Ecuador. But through last year, with everything that was going on, with our drilling, with the experts we brought in for the project team, 
we definitely understood the the project to be something much more than what it was previously contemplated as. So now we, um, you know, we've made that strategic change and pivoted to this new concept, and and we're really focused now on continuing to drive this project forward, but through through this new scenario. So talk to me about before we kind of get into the project proper. I mean, talk to me about Guatemala. I mean, I, I covered this last time, but you know, think things evolve. You know, in terms of mining in country, are you seeing any resistance? And you know, and I'm thinking sort of, you know, Phoenix and Escobar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's been a history of of mining projects that have uh, run into troubles here in in Guatemala, and of course, I mean that's uh, very apparent for our retail shareholders and and institutions when they look at Guatemala and they see the the, the past and things that have happened with various mining projects. But for us, you know, we are focused on the Cerro Blanco project, which is in a different area, it's in the southern part of the country, and we know that we have the systems and the team in place to move this project forward responsibly. And in doing that, we are required to engage with our local stakeholders and meet with the different ministries here in the country. And we've been doing just that. I've been spending most of my time down here since the borders have opened. We have had strong engagement with the Ministry of Mining and Energy, Ministry of Economy, Ministry of Environment, and really introducing the authorities to the brand that is behind Bluestone Resources, and that's the Lundin Group, and our focus and our commitment to, uh, you know, sustainable development and responsible mining, and that has resonated very well. So while I cannot speak for the other companies or other, you know, projects in in the country that have have run into problems or or others that even have had success, uh, what I can do is speak to Bluestone Resources and the Lundin Group and how we approach projects, and we know that we are. Uh, at a time here in the country where we can bring this project forward responsibly, efficiently, with consultation with the people and uh, the government here. And what are they asking of you in these conversations that you're having with them locally or federally? Well, they're asking us, I mean, what what is our intention? How are we going to bring the project forward? What is the phase in going from study to development and into operation? What are the impacts? What are the risks? Um, and so they have been very healthy discussions talking about all different aspects and what what it means to go from one phase to the next. Mining is a very complex industry when you just look at what it takes to go from exploration to study to development to commissioning to operations. There's many different phases. And to wrap your head around that, I mean, even mining professionals in the industry, uh, you know, it it takes a lot and it takes a a diverse team, um, but it also takes a, a significant commitment to working with the the owners of the of the deposit, right? We're we're here as as guests in this country, and we are doing our best to maximize the benefit for everybody involved on on this project. And uh, you know, through the engagement and through the relationship building with the various stakeholders, um, that's kind of what they want to understand and, and see. And so that's what we're doing. We're we're taking our time now to set up what will hopefully be a long lasting relationship. That brings success to everybody involved. And what's your role? Okay, you, you, obviously you're a Lundin. as part of the Lundin group. Have you got a watching brief, or were you part of the decision making, which said, "Hey, underground's just not cutting it for us. We think we can improve the the economics dramatically by doing an open pit." I mean, how are you involved? So, you know, on on surface here, I'm I'm the the CEO of Bluestone Resources, and I am a Lundin. I represent the Lundin family, the Lundin group. I've been involved in the business 
essentially my entire life. So I, I know the mining industry, natural resources industry is, is something that I, I feel I have a good grasp of, of the, you know, the technical and social challenges uh, and opportunities in this industry. And when it comes to Cerro Blanco, you know, we were going very fast and going forward with the underground scenario. However, there was a moment in time towards the end of last year, our early part of Q4, where we were ready, we had de-risked the underground concept, um, but we had a very successful drilling campaign as well. And right before kind of clicking go, putting orders in on, on long lead items and, and starting to staff up with our labor force for the underground concept, something just didn't sit right with, with me and our, my senior management team, because the, the reality is uh, with an underground concept, you'd be eliminating the opportunity or sterilizing about one and a half million ounces of gold and much more silver because you have a higher cutoff grade and the deposit is near surface. So you wouldn't be able to access a lot of the deposit. And our job is to maximize the value of a mineral resource. And therefore we did take that moment to pause, speak with the advisors that we have in the lending group, but also with the board of directors and our team and say, what's the right thing to do here? Let's, let's, before we go ahead on the underground, let's, let's see if that's the right thing to do. So focus on, you know, doing a study with the open pit concept and engaging with the stakeholders here to see if there was an appetite for that project. So all of that came together. Uh, and in the past four or five months, it's been extremely busy, but you know, we believe that we're making the right decision here by, by pivoting and making that strategic change. Okay, so I'm really intrigued about the conversation with your local and, and federal stakeholders, you know, on the ground. Because the conversation is something like, hey, we're going to do an underground mine. You'll barely see us too. Do you know what? We're going to be open pit. It's going to be a lot more visible, destroy a bit more of the uh, the vegetation and fauna uh, around here. What was the reaction initially to the, the change of plan? Well, I think that the, you know, there's there's multiple things that we need to look at, right? It's not just the, the the economics and having a more robust project. It's the viability. Is in the area? Can you do it? Is there enough? Uh, is there enough land to be able to to build infrastructure here? Um, and how will we work to mitigate any environmental concerns that would exist? So while yes, you look at the numbers and it's uh, you know tripling the value, um, and you're much, it's much less technically challenging because this is a hot springs environment. So the underground had hot water uh, inflows and high temperature underground conditions, which meant that it was a smaller, more skilled workforce, you know, that would be part of the development and operation. Now with an open pit, we eliminate a lot of those technical challenges, which means we can focus much more on local training and, and local hiring and local supply, uh, local procurement. So all of these things play into the narrative as to why this is the right way to do it. And, um, you know, how are we going to mitigate environmental impacts? The footprint is bigger, yes, but we are still committing ourselves to, you know, world-class mining standards. One of those is with our tailings. We're committed to dry stack tailings rather than uh, conventional aqueous tails. Um, and that does come at a higher cost um, and much more, you know, operationally, uh, there's, it, it's much more um, operationally cumbersome, I'd say, but at the same time, if we get it right, we can minimize the impact of the environment. And yes, during the life of the mine, you are having more of a disturbance, but we're also committed to a very strong, um, you know, environmental performance when it comes to the closure as well. So all of those things combine with, you know, yes, it's a bigger project, better economics, but we can also 
you know, given where we're at, focus on mitigating and minimizing uh, negative impacts. Okay. You raised 92 million bucks back in May under one pretense. You've had to change your plans. I mean, how do you think those shareholders have reacted? Was that, a, again, was that another difficult conversation that you had to have with the marketplace? Because if we look at your share price, haven't really moved since we spoke last January, mm-hmm. right? Share price roughly the same, market cap the same. So what, what's, what, what, what are some of the difficulties of changing plans like this, you know, when you're in the middle of another process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a decision that definitely does not come easy. It's not something that you uh, think about overnight and then make the change. There was a lot of meetings, a lot of planning, a lot of discussions that we had. Um, and it, it, it was over time that we felt more and more confident that this is the right thing to do. You're right. We closed the financing deal where we raised 92 million Canadian in, and that closed in May. Uh, we still have about 45 million US in the bank today that will comfortably get us through this year. Um, and, you know, the, the discussions with our largest shareholders were to see if this is something that they'd be comfortable with. And again, what you want to be doing when you look at mining or natural resource projects or any project uh, in any industry is, is how, how, how can you bring the most um, value? How can you bring the most benefits to, to all those involved? So I think, you know, the, the story here is that it, it makes sense and the project was contemplated for so long with, with one idea, which kind of pigeonholed us into thinking that this was the right way to go. But when you look, you know, when you take a deep breath, you stand back and you look at this, this deposit, you look at this project, uh, the right thing to do is, is, and what we believe is to move forward with this, with this new scenario. How, how long have you delayed production by? So production has been pushed out by about two years. We're still working through our timelines. The end of 2022, early part of 2023 is when we would have been targeting our commissioning phase for the underground. And now we're looking at the end of 2024 for that commissioning phase. Um, so yes, pushing out the, the first gold, but again, the underground, which is, you know, technically much more technically challenging and much less of a prize. You're talking about one million ounce recoverable. Now we're looking at two and a half plus million ounces of recoverable. So. Again, that plays into why we believe we can delay production and it's still the right thing to do. But do you think there's a disconnect in terms of the, the market's understanding of that? You, like I say, you thought long and hard about this. It's not a casual decision. Um, do you think people are concerned about the delays, the uncertainty about what the price of gold might be in, a, you know, in, that, in that time frame? I mean, how, how do you think you need to be talking to the market about that? What do they need to understand? What are, what are the simple things they need to understand about this? So there's, there's kind of multiple factors at play here. Um, when we came out with the announcement on February 28th, the, that following week, the gold price hit an eight month low. And you can see that there is a lot of money moving from precious metals into the base metal space. And I think right now, you know, we're at a time in the gold space that there is a bit of a correction going on. So I think for getting people interested in, in new projects, um, it's, it's much more challenging than say, uh, you know, six to eight months ago when gold was peaking at around $2,000 an ounce and everybody just wanted to get into the, to the gold sector. Um, so that I think is, is one kind of major component to why our share price has not moved. And then another one is, you know, it is a busy time. We've gone through, uh, the BMO conference, PDAC, and everybody's just kind of 
looking at the you know what what's going on in the industry and i think right now people will start to digest and understand and we've had a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with current and prospective shareholders and i think you know they want to see that we really believe we can get this project permitted um, and and moved into the next phase and once people start to really understand that we are confident and that's exactly what we're going to be doing then we have a very significant opportunity to see uh, share price appreciation in the short term, medium term, and long term. So there's a there's a lot of catalysts here to to be excited about for Bluestone Resources. Sure. What gives you the certainty that you can get it permitted? Through our engagement, through our discussions that we've had with the different ministers, and through the fact that you know it's it's a well defined process here to get things permitted in in Guatemala. We've had experience going through permitting processes in the past for various activities uh, because we've had we've been working with Cerro Blanco and working in this country since 2017, and we we just think that there is an opportunity here to to move this project forward. So we understand we've got consultants that are helping us put together our environmental impact assessment, which we would then be submitting to the authorities by the end of this year. Um, and, and again, those, those things needed to be understood by us before coming out and making this pivot. Okay, so no chance of local opposition and you're not concerned about that at all? Well, to say no chance would be, um, you know, be, be a naive thing to say, but I think what, what there is a chance for is, uh, and, a, and a strong and a high chance, high probability is for the, the local stakeholders to, to be encouraged by the fact that we're coming in with this long-term approach setting up the, the training and the local hiring focus and local procurement and, you know, with the Lundin Foundation looking at economic diversification as well, because the reality is not everybody is going to be able to work at the mine. Yes, we have a, we're going to have a larger workforce, um, but not everybody's going to be able to work at the mine. Not everybody's going to want to work at the mine, but if we can put sustainable development programs in place, then you can maximize benefits for for other industries as well in the area where Cerro Blanco resides. Okay, yeah, I do want to come on to that in a second. So one last question on this, which is you've got 45 million bucks in the bank. You're planning some exploration drilling or, or no? Do you need to? We are, we're, drilling out the, we're, we're drilling out the top of the resource at the moment for updating our resource that would then go into the feasibility study. Um, and we do have plans to look at other exploration targets in the mining license, um, which is obviously something that's very attractive for us is the fact that there is a northerly trend of mineralization north of the Cerro Blanco deposit. And we believe that there's an opportunity to add ounces through um, other maybe satellite pits to the, to the Cerro Blanco processing complex in the future. And so we do want to follow up on that. But right now in our budget, it's not for brownfield exploration. It's for uh, infill drilling on the top of the resource. Okay, beautiful. So given the price at the moment, you're what, 26% shareholders as a family, right? That's correct. Yes, right. the family owns about 26% of the outstanding shares. Any, any thoughts about um, buying more? Yes, I mean, right now it depends on how the market shakes out, depends on how you know, things, things change with, with current shareholders. Um, and for us, I mean, with this bigger project, larger scale, it becomes more of a focus for us. Uh, and it's much more meaningful and therefore we're going to make sure that we get the right team in place, which we, we currently have, and we're going to be bolstering the team as needed to, to bring the project forward. And, you know, as, as the largest shareholder, we remain very committed to this project. So if there's an opportunity to, uh, 
increase our holding and, and it makes sense, then that's something we'll discuss at that time and, and, and we would do it. But, you know, our focus and a key to our success is, you know, taking big positions in, in these companies that we believe in because, um, you know, you've got to have skin in the game if you want to, you know, show that you're, you're really behind something. And that's, that's how we do it in the London group. Okay, so London Group's comprised of like nine companies. So what does taking a big position mean? I know it's 26% here, but you know, how much more would you take? I mean, someone's told me the price is quite good. It's, good, it's a buyer's market. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, it's every, every company is uh, you know, likely in a different phase. We operate in different environments, different countries, uh, different phases, as I mentioned. So exploration, early stage development, um, operations so it, it all depends on kind of what makes sense at the time and for us i mean to put a number on how much we'd be willing to increase our shareholding or our equity in this company is i mean it's it's premature to say right now we're we're, we're we've got a significant holding and you know i'm committed to continue driving this project forward and at such a time if it looks like we'll need to take more then we're prepared to do so Okay, and so tell me about the rest of the group because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated about you. You've got nine companies at various stages of, of growth um, profile. How, how do, do they interact? Do, are these conversations between the CEOs of each of these companies? I, mean, I know you're sitting as CEO of this one, but how do you manage or how do you interact with all the others in the group? So I believe we're actually at uh, 14, 14 publicly traded companies at the moment in uh, in in the natural resources sector. So we've got base metals, um, precious metals. Uh, we've got a company called Lucara Diamonds that has a, a diamond mine in Botswana. And then on the energy side, we've got uh, Lundin Energy, uh, International Petroleum, Shamaran, and we're big shareholders in, in other energy companies as well that are classified as the as Lundin Group companies. And, you know, for us, uh, oil and gas and mining are, are two, they're, they're natural resources, yes, but two very different sectors. Um, however, I mean, we... We do focus on keeping the core group of the team together. Um, and so I'm an advisor to several of the mining companies um, and I'm a board, I'm on the board of Denison Mines and I just recently joined Lundin Mining. And yes, we are like-minded individuals, but we also really focus on challenging our each other. Um, it's, it's not a group of uh, people that are always in agreement. And I think that's what makes us so strong is we do constantly test each other to make sure we're asking the right questions. And then when it comes to a company like us, a smaller junior gold developer, um, to be able to ask our peers in Lundin Gold or Lundin Mining how they would approach certain topics or certain challenges that's the value, you know, being able to pick up the phone and call a CEO of another company um, that has been through a similar process is is something that makes us very unique. Um, and then on top of that, sharing resources. So I came from Lundin Gold. I brought with me a lot of the project team uh, that helped develop Fruta del Norte uh, because now Fruta del Norte is in operation. And so having companies in different phases also is, is very um it, it, you can you can really capitalize on that. And then a big component now is with the Lundin Foundation, pulling the group together across all industries uh, and, and looking at how we can focus on ESG, responsible development, and really making sure that we're, you know, we're, we're being first movers when it comes to 
looking at decarbonization for oil and gas companies or even mining companies. Uh, and so just harnessing all of the, you know, the wealth of knowledge that we have in the group is, is definitely what uh, is a differentiator for, for the Lundin group. Is that a bigger part of your conversations these days when you're talking to big funds? Is this all? ESG means different things to different people, right? And different companies approach it very differently, you know, barely, barely qualifying, um, but through to, you know, it being all pervasive throughout the entire company. I mean, you obviously, you talk a good game there, but do you feel that that's critical to the success of these companies going forward? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's 100% necessary. And our focus for that is, is, is very strong in, I'd say, all companies. And again, that's why we developed in 2006 the, the Lundin Foundation to really focus on supporting those, um, those other initiatives. Because as I mentioned earlier, I mean, mining and oil and gas, the natural resource sector, it's a complex industry. There's a lot of components that go into building a successful project. It's not just minimizing costs and maximizing production. There's, you know, uh, setting up long lasting relationships with the host countries that have these projects that we come in and, and help develop. Um, and there's, you know, a lot going on in a lot of different areas that you can capitalize on the, you know, the, the ESG component. For us at Bluestone, we do have a project called the Mita Geothermal Project, which is adjacent to the Cerro Blanco project. And we're currently licensed to generate up to 50 megawatts of renewable energy through this geothermal project. Um, we have, we're not in production yet, uh, but that's something that we look at as a serious opportunity for us to further differentiate to our peers. If we can be producing not only, you know, low cost and, um, you know, high grade gold from Cerro Blanco, but also producing renewable energy to offset some of our energy requirements at the mine, but also to potentially sell it into the grid. Uh, that, that is very unique for us. And it's something that we want to follow up on. Um, but, you know, right now we're, we're gold mining experts and we need to bring in uh, some more experts to help us with the, the geothermal project. And, and we'll be looking at developing that in, in parallel when we, uh, once we get through this feasibility study and permitting phase for, for right. Sarah Blanco. So you want to, you want to stay focused and you've got the cash to do it. You could bring people in, but you want to stay focused and get this this the study out of the way. Okay, understand that. I mean, it's interesting to me. I think we say that mining needs to improve. You know, as as a as a sector, it's sort of perception is it's sort of big and dirty and you know perhaps stuck in its ways. I mean, are you looking at other ways of improving the way that mining operates? I, people talk about AI, or they talk about autonomous vehicles and all of those wonderful things. But how, how green do you get? I mean, what you know how much of this ESG uh, component do you need to feel you need to push or is it ultimately just the, about the economics at the end of the day? Well, it depends a lot on the size of the project because if you have a much larger project, you can put uh, you know, a percentage of that towards R&D, towards focusing on you know, innovative solutions. But you know, with, with our project, we're going to be very focused on doing things like implementing real-time monitoring so we can make quick decisions without having to react when something happens. Um, you know, machine learning, AI, automation, all of that is making its way into the mining industry. I am a big proponent of, of shifting in that direction. Um, it's, it's absolutely necessary to make sure that you're mitigating or minimizing impacts that are associated to the extractive industry. And for us, I mean, th this is, uh, you know, we want to we be first movers again. In, in that type of performance. And 
the Lundin family. We, we recently donated to the University of Arizona because the University of Arizona is working on creating a school of mining with a focus on ESG, on innovation with you know, AI and machine learning. And I, I actually sit on the board of that, uh, the, the Institute of uh, Mineral Resources at, at Arizona and being able to look at kind of what education, you know, what, what education package needs to be implemented so that the new generation of mining professionals comes in with, uh, you know, a much more innovative approach as the old generation that's also going to have a positive impact on, on mining and a positive impact on the world because the reality is we, we need, we need petrochemicals. We need minerals. We need everything uh, that, that mining and oil and gas brings in order to continue advancing society. But we also need to focus on doing it in the most responsible way. And therefore, you know, that for us in the London group at Bluestone for myself personally is, is a huge focus. That's fascinating. That's, that's really interesting. I like that. Um, just one last question for you, right? Again, it comes back to market, market cap, share price, which is, do you think people are missing a trick or do you think that they are right to have the concerns that they do now and it's your job to prove them wrong? Well, I think, again, it comes back to multiple factors and the, the, the mining industry is very cyclical and there's quite a lot of volatility in it these days with all that's going on in the world. So, you know, for us, um, you know, we're going to continue to promote the story and promote the brand and, and show that we're confident we're doing this the right way. And I, I'm confident that this this will start to resonate and people will catch on to the story that the gold price is still going to continue on an upward trajectory. And that once we you know move through and, and show that there are some catalysts, getting the feasibility study, getting permitted, moving into that next phase, um, all while focusing on, again, the, the strong engagement that we need to have with the host country, which for us is Guatemala, um, people will start to see that we're, we're here and we're serious about doing it. And um, for me and my team is to focus on controlling what we can control. And uh, I, I believe that the market will, will look at this and, and see that this is, uh, this is the right approach and that, that we've got the team and this is the time to be advancing Cerro Blanco. So all of that gives me the confidence to continue to be here moving forward. Jack, good man. Appreciate your time today. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. You're, you're, uh, you've got a lot to deliver, uh, but you've got the cash to do it, which uh, it was just good news. I look forward to hearing more from you. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.